0: Today we're going to look at the passage of Scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. The title of the sermon is, Daddy Used to Say. Daddy Used to Say. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching, Do not abandon my instruction. Verse 3, when I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6, do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all of your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Verse 9, she will place on your head a garland of grace and she will present you with a crown of beauty. Lord, help us as we study your word. There are three things I want you to pull away from this passage. Things that you need to guard, things you need to gain, and things that need to grow. Dads, please take notes today because this will help you. The interesting thing about this passage, we look at, at the book of Proverbs and we realize that Solomon wrote just about every one of them. He quoted some things from other men who were under his authority. And you'll see those in Proverbs 30. But most of the things he wrote. But not all the things he wrote he came up with. Many of them he did. Starting in Proverbs chapter 10. These are the words of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon. But from chapter 4 through verse 9. Six chapters. What we see is a man. Who has learned some things from his daddy. It says these are things my father taught me. So. Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived other than Christ. Well, where where did he get the foundation of wisdom? From his daddy. David was was a pretty wise man. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Solomon is quoting what his daddy taught him. So from Proverbs 4 to 5 to 6 to 7, 8 and 9 is all what David taught Solomon. But these are things that Solomon just remembered as daddy was telling him things regularly. As they were going fishing some days or maybe walking around the palace, daddy was just saying, this is how you live life well, boy. And as Solomon was writing them down, he thought, this is stuff that I can go ahead and tell my kids too. And they can tell their kids. Now, I don't think as he was writing them down that he realized God was going to canonize them and make them a part of the Old Testament whereby everybody for all time would read them and look at them not just as ideas from a daddy on earth, but ideas from a daddy in heaven. I don't think he thought that way. But we can learn some stuff from this. Though there will be never another time where words from any human being need to be canonized within what we now call as the Bible... The words that daddies ought to say to sons ought to be just as powerful. Hear me? He's taking what his daddy said, and God said, that's so good, I'm going to make it a part of my Bible. Even though there's not going to be extra stuff written, our words ought to be so in line with Scripture that God says, amen. Amen. He affirms, Daddy, what you are telling your boy. My daddy had some statements and they aren't in the Bible. One of them was when I was listening to him tell me something that didn't seem quite right. It just seemed bigger than life. I would say to him, Dad, did, you know, did, did that really happen? And I was a little kid. I was like four or five. I remember driving in the car when he said this to me the first time. It was just one of those impactful moments that a child just doesn't forget. And so we were in his Thunderbird driving someplace uh, at night to get ice cream. And he, he told me a story. And, and I said, Dad, did that really happen? It just seemed too wild. He said, boy, if I tell you a grasshopper a horse, get your saddle. Yes, sir. (laughs) You know, what do you say? What do you say? You just say, absolutely, let me ride a grasshopper. Things daddy's teacher's son sometimes aren't worthy of being amen by heaven. And that's kind of a humorous moment. But the real deep stuff ought to be, the stuff that is most important to your child's progress ought to be, Don't just take stuff that your daddy said if it wasn't right and pass it down because you want to give your child an inheritance that means at least a little something. Try to find out the will of God as best you know how. Live it well and then drive it down into the heart of your child as David did his boy. Now, we have some really (laughs) experience is a great teacher. The problem is It gives the test before the lesson. You learn afterwards. Oh, that's not how to do that. And if we can learn from somebody else's experience, we're a whole lot better off. And I think we can learn from David's experience because Solomon was his second time at parenting. He had had family before Solomon. Absalom, Adonijah, Amnon, Tamar, many other children. And it didn't work out so well. Now, I don't want to say that it was David's fault. I'm not going to impugn his character because his kids didn't come out the way they should be. When kids become adults, parents can't look at themselves in the mirror and say, it's my fault, though we will always feel responsible the decisions that our children make as adults, we can't, we can't fix their thought process. They're going to do things that may not be as right as they should, but it's not our fault when they do it, but we do feel responsible, and it hurts, and I'm not quite sure how much fault is, is able to be laid at, the da- at David's feet with regard to these four children, but it was hard, and he felt responsible. Amnon violated his sister Tamar same daddy different mama Absalom who was Tamar's full br- blood br- full blood brother kills Amnon Absalom because David did not do what he was supposed to do with respect to proper judgment when Amnon violated Absalom's full-blooded sister, got mad at David, his father, and overthrew him, tried to take the throne. Absalom was killed in battle, not by David, by somebody else. Adonijah was David's lone eldest son, the remaining eldest son, who thought he was supposed to be the guy that would take the throne when David died. He assumed it, printed up business cards, went around all throughout Israel saying, I'm king. But David had assigned the throne to Solomon. As a result, Adonijah died. Three sons, dead. One daughter violated. Because David maybe wasn't as much as he should have been. I don't know. But it didn't work out well. But here's Solomon, another chance. We don't have any books from Absalom about what David taught him. We don't have any books from Adonijah about what David taught him. We don't have any books from Tamar. We don't have any books from Amnon. But we do have a lot from Solomon. Let's learn from David's experience and say, let's make this attempt at parenting my second by letting David's first be mine or even David's second be mine. Let me learn from the book of Proverbs about what it means to impart wisdom and understanding to my children so I don't have to feel like I need to reinvent the wheel. Somebody has done this well, and somebody has made enough mistakes for me to avoid the pitfalls, the ditches into which others have driven. I don't have to go there. Lord, give me the wisdom that is in Scripture so I don't have to learn through my own experience. Help me! And this is why you need to read your Bible every day so you have the experience through which others went and then make that yours so you can now impart what should not be done and and do what should be done. Dads, we've got a great responsibility. Raising the next generation is huge. There is no greater responsibility in your life than doing that. Some may be equal, but none greater. Every day you need to feel called by Almighty God. And that calling ought to drive you toward equipping. I remember when I was first, I brought home my kids, my children from the hospital. I felt so responsible, but so irresponsible. I knew I was supposed to do something, but I didn't feel very equipped to do it I didn't have the kind of training in my own home that would give me a platform to know exactly what it meant to be what I needed to be. Oh, my parents did the best they could. They were loving. They were caring, all of that. But I didn't, I didn't understand how to provide. I didn't understand how to train. I didn't, they, didn't do, they didn't work through scripture. They just did what they thought best. But I was wired differently because of the word. And I had to figure out what it looks like. And I read my Bible every day. And it helped me stay away from a lot of stuff. There's nothing about the the house my kids grew up in that is anything like the house I grew up in. Nothing. And so for that I am grateful. Yet there were some things on the inside of bread that still needed some help. And so... To my eldest son, Joseph, if you're watching, sorry. You were practice. (laughs) You were the guinea pig. (laughs) Brian, we got better with you. Garrison, even better. Meredith, even better. Tell us, Brooke, Grant, you got the best. We worked out a whole bunch of kinks on the first three, first four. And Grant, you got the best version of parenting we could ever get. We can come to. There were st- I, and let me Let me give you some parenting advice, dads and moms, especially dads. Somebody asked me the other day, if you had one thing you needed to say to parents, what would it be to help them raise their children right? I said, well, growing up kids is not so much about them growing up. It's about the parents growing up. if you all become better parents they'll be better kids but they're gonna follow who you are not just what you say and if you're not what you should be if you don't continue to grow in hope hopefully accelerating the growth so you are not just pacing them you're exceeding them so you need to become what you need to be when you get to the intersection don't be surprised by the intersections of difficulty that come through your parenting and say ah what now my, ho- my hope is that you would grow into the place where you're at the intersection before that thing arrives. That's the growth that needs to happen. David gives us some really good advice here. And, and the first thing he says is, guard, guard. Guard my words and keep them down in your heart. Now, again, a father is talking to a son, but God has canonized it. So we need to understand that this is the way God thinks about how parenting ought to be done in communication of truth. That when a child receives good things that come straight from the throne, the first thing he needs to do is, is realize, I must guard that which has been given to me. I've got to put it down here. I've got to place it in the vault of my heart. Now, parents, there's no way you can make that happen. But there is a way that you can impart rather than just inform. Information makes somebody smarter. Impartation makes them better. You are actually driving something down in their soul, not by the force of your words, but by the force of your life. That when you say things, because you have lived them, they have greater weight. They are It's not just stuff you learned because you read your Bible that day. It's stuff you've done because you've read your Bible that day. The scriptures have become so much a part of you that the word now has been made flesh in your life. And when you speak, you do not have to yell. It just comes out with a wow. That word then gets down on the inside of that child. And it gets gets sealed in the vault of their soul. And he says, not only that, take these words and make sure that you guard them so that you can live. And it's not just living with respect to to having a kind of life that is quality. It's it's respect, it's also with respect to making sure that it has a degree of longevity to it that has quality. It's life in every respect. We want our children to live well, but we want them also to live long. And so there ought to be not just the spiritual stuff that's coming in. There ought to be the natural stuff. You ought to be able to teach your children some things. And and, and don't believe, hear me, you don't have to teach them everything. Um, There are a a lot of parents that go camping with their children. Not me. I ain't interested in it. And I do not care that I did not do it. I taught my children a lot of stuff, but that is not one of the things that I taught them, and I'm not convicted by it at all. I don't like camping, and they probably wouldn't either. I asked my daddy when friends of mine, I lived in the suburbs, because generally people in the hood just didn't go camping. I'm I'm sorry, I just didn't do it. I lived in the suburbs, all my friends went camping. I said, Daddy, how come we don't go camping? He said, Boy, I I pay for this house. Why in the world do you want me to go live in the woods? It doesn't, make, it doesn't make no sense. I ain't going out. I ain't going to rough it out there and have to cook over fire and sleep on sticks. Enjoy your bed. <laughs> now <Enough> said Daddy, <laughs> I'm gonna follow your lead on that. One. <laughs> That's good advice. There are some things I don't care that I didn't give my kids. But hear me. There is very little, very little about which I regret that I did. There's a lot of stuff that I wish I didn't but there's very little I regret about what I did. I wish I wasn't as insecure about their progress when I saw a delay or I saw an early exit that it brought up something on the inside of me of, oh, you better hurry up and fix that, Brett. I wish I had been more patient and kind. I never abused my kids ever, but I was just scared for them more than really living in faith. And so I responded sometimes, with greater urgency than I should have and I, I should have trusted God more there are so many things I wish I hadn't done but I can't think of one thing not one that I did that I wish I hadn't I'm grateful I was able to pour something into them and drive some things with respect to impartation in their life perfect no, nothing about me that could ever be confused with that consistent and the process of growth is still going on in my life. I helped my children to guard some things and if they were to stray, that stuff would still be on the inside of their soul. They still got a deposit. It's there. Can't run from that which you locked up. Can't. Even when they are old, they will not depart. Can't run from it. Secondly, what they gain, gain wisdom, gain understanding. Wisdom ought to be a sister to you. It says love her and, and, and don't depart from her. Embrace her and, wisdom, and, and understanding. Now, let me give you the difference between uh, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is the uh, accumulation of facts. Understanding is how those facts fit together in such a way that it makes sense. Wisdom is the application of that understanding so you can make a good decision. So, let's take cigarettes. There have been a lot of studies that that have been out that says cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health. Fact. Understanding is, if I light this up and put it in my mouth, it's going to do damage to my lungs and indeed my capillaries and all of my blood vessels to where I might have to have other issues that I'm, I'm dealing with more than just the comfort that comes from the nicotine that is enter, entering my body right now and the cessation of stress that I feel when that happens. I'm going to have other issues to deal with later, understanding that. Wisdom comes by saying, oh, as a result of understanding that, I'm going to make a really good decision and not buy that and quit. That's the way it works. If we apply knowledge, understanding, and wisdom well, we'll make good decisions. And David says to Solomon, keep these things close to you, embrace them. They will be a garland of wreath on your head. They will be a crown to you. Embrace it and do not let it go. Let wisdom be one of your best friends. Friends, impart to your children, dads, what it means to embrace wisdom by living it and explaining your decision-making to them so they can understand, oh, that's why daddy does that. Now, you don't have to explain to them everything. Some stuff they don't need to know until they get older. But you know that which they can know, and they can begin to build upon that and allow their experience to grow. Dads, help your children to gain wisdom and understanding and make them their best friends. And then lastly, grow. He says, don't forget stuff. Make sure you remember some things. And if you stay in the right way, wisdom and understanding will give you direction. So we need to grow in our understanding of what it means to develop a good memory. Somehow or another, we get really... We get afflicted with amnesia when it comes to the next circumstance that's adverse. It's like what God did yesterday to, to deliver us from that which was difficult. We forget that He can still do it today. And fear rises in our soul when we face the next challenge. The disciples had the same issue. Jesus had fed the 5,000 five loaves, two fish. Fed the 4,000, seven loaves and two fish. And the disciples, as they're crossing the sea, getting ready to cross the sea, go to the other side, Jesus said, Beware of the, of the leaven of the, of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The disciples began to argue with one another about whose day it was to go to Giant and get the bread. And that they think Jesus is actually talking about a loaf of bread. And that he really needs something. And he's using code to do it because he spoke in parables all the time and they never got anything he said. So they're probably thinking, well, he's trying to figure out how in the world. Who's wrong now? And they begin arguing. It was, it was your day. It's Tuesday. You go to giant to get the bread. No, that was last week. We changed the days and it's no longer Tuesday mine. We rotate this thing. Every other Tuesday is mine. It was your day. It was, it was so bad about bread that Jesus had to step in and say, Why? Are you arguing among yourselves about bread? What did you not get about my ability to make my own bread? If I were hungry, would I tell you five loaves two fish fed five thousand? Why do I need you to go to Safeway? I don't. What is wrong with your bread? Did you forget that I'm? I when I submit things to God can produce that which I don't have they forgot developed amnesia after two miracles like this and they were the distributors I mean every Jesus did everything he possibly could to try to enforce on the inside of them how important it was for them to get this miracle by making them the distributors of the resources to the people they were the servers they brought the food to the table and every time they brought food it said this is more than what I gave Jesus and I don't understand where it's coming from they, they were the ones who should have received more than just a meal. But they didn't. Hear me. When, when God does the, the miracle, when he did the miracle back then, and when he did all the miracles back then to deliver you, when, he, when, when you prayed and said, Lord, help, and he did. And you have no idea how many other things from which he has delivered you that you didn't even ask for because he stayed off the attack. He put his shield and his bulwark in front of it so that it never got to you. That's how we are still alive. When you gave your life to Jesus, the enemy put a big target on you, a bullseye. And ever since then, he's been trying to take you out because you are a threat to his kingdom. And the only reason we are still alive, because the enemy's judgment was to eat the dust of the earth. That's in Genesis chapter 3. You will crawl on your belly, and for the rest of your being, you will eat the dust of the earth. What are we but dust? He eats human beings for lunch. The only reason we are not consumed is the mercy of our God. That's it. So even if we weren't to talk about all the times he has answered your prayers, we can talk more about all the times you didn't even know you needed to pray and he answered you. My point is this. Why does the next challenge cause you to go, oh, I don't know if the Lord is ever going to help me. Oh, Lord, this is so bad. It's so bad. Amnesia. Here, David says, do not forget. Develop a really good memory. When wisdom and understanding are your guide, when you have gone the way you should, the Lord protects you, he helps you, and even when you stray, he delivers you. Develop a good memory. And it will give you the right direction. You won't, you won't have to... It, 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 wisdom and understanding are the best spiritual GPS. You won't have to figure out which way to go. You won't have to stop and ask for directions. Does anybody do that anymore, by the way? Uh, I didn't think so. Wisdom and understanding will assist you. And sometimes that wisdom and understanding can be found in others. When you come to a place where you've done all you can to exhaust your understanding, your wisdom of what to do, sometimes God wants us to humble ourselves and go to others and say, hey, can I get your input in this? Because he says, in the abundance of counselors... There is victory in Proverbs and so when we get other people's wisdom and there's not a decision that's made in this church by myself, I do not do that even though others have given me the privilege of being the visionary for this congregation and of saying which way we ought to go I never take that privilege on my own I say guys I'm feeling this I feel like the Lord just spoke to this about spoke to me about this I need to submit this to you what do you think, flesh it out for me I don't want to be the lone voice or the lone here. I want us all to make a decision here it doesn't mean that we go, we go are, and are led by committee it means we are led by by wisdom, by the abundance of counselors. As a result, we don't make very, very many big mistakes. Mistakes, I've made a bunch. But the longer I go and the more counsel I get and the wiser I get, the Lord helps us to go in the right direction without having to restart. Direction. It will tell you which way to go. These are the things that that David taught his son Solomon. Dad's If you don't know where to go, this is a good place to start. If you don't know exactly what needs to be taught to your kids, begin here. Start in Proverbs chapter 4 and let David's experience of his second time in parenting be yours. And let his wisdom that he shared with the son be that which you share with yours. Now, as you employ this, remember, it's a mirror You have to live it. And as I close, the stuff that you, don't, that you don't like in your child, that you see that's a problem, is you. Mm. They got it honestly, y'all. They got it honestly. And so that makes you a little bit more self-reflective anytime you see something wrong and less self-righteous. We're like, I can't believe it. What in the world were you thinking? Oh, you weren't. I told you. Mm. They got it honestly. It makes you dial it back a little bit when you see you in them and realize you were that ignorant too until God rearranged your brain cells. He conformed your mind, transformed your mind into the image of his son. Be merciful. Be kind. Be patient and be one who knows how to impart goodness. In the end, it will make all the rest of your Father's Day really happy. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Help us as a people to serve our children well. They are the stewards. We are the stewards of your gift to us and them you said children are a gift from the Lord help us to train them in such a way that they can be used in your hands easily and always hit the mark of their calling I want to pray for people who may have had a really difficult upbringing and it's hard for you to say happy Father's Day to somebody your dad didn't do right he hurt you I get it, I really do but the one who is feeling the most pain right now is you and that pain is causing you so much dysfunction that you've literally got to build walls around it so that it doesn't bleed over into every area of your life and I want healing to come to you I want help to come to you from the Holy Spirit If you feel like, that's me, would you pray? And I know, you know, you need to probably have a conversation with your dad at some point. I get that. But when you do, at least you'll come from a place of being more whole than fractured. And thus you won't be just using your dad as a dumping ground for your pain. You'll actually be trying to figure out how can I heal this relationship in a way that glorifies the Father. You may never have the kind of storybook TV rendition family sitcom of a a father-son, father-daughter relationship. may never be. But it doesn't have to remain fractured and painful. It doesn't. So if that's you, pray with me. Father, I choose to forgive my father for what he did it hurts so bad but I believe you can heal my pain so I submit to you my heart and my soul Holy Spirit let your power deliver me from my bitterness my rage my disappointment and help me to find wholeness in your presence because you care for me better than anyone else could. I trust you, Father God, as the ultimate dad who can teach and train. Thank you for sending your son to sacrifice himself for my healing. He took my pain and my rejection and my wounding on the cross. I bring it to him, and I let him suffer for me so I don't have to anymore. Thank you for your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. You also might be somebody who needs to give your heart to Christ. Or Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but nothing about your life looks anything like what a believer's ought to be, and you want to make a change today. If you fit in either of those two categories, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.